Welcome to the Stephanie Mitchell Media Podcast. I talk about stuff that's interesting and relatable to me, and maybe you'll find something in what I say that's helpful for you. Keep listening, subscribe, and hopefully I'll share something along the way that you find helpful. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Mitchell, CEO and founder of Stephanie Mitchell Media. Welcome to this podcast episode here today with me. Um, I am interviewing Dr. Dwayne Wood, and Dr. Wood is an endocrinologist, and he has so graciously agreed to share his time with us today and just talk about some different things related to endocrinology and lifestyle. So Dr. Dwayne Wood, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to tell us more about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, thank you for having me, Stephanie. Uh, Really appreciate uh, being with you and with your audience. Uh, As you said, I'm an endocrinologist. And so I I really tell people I'm a hormone doctor. So all things hormone is what we do. Uh, The one that most people know about the hormone is insulin. So by virtue of that, we uh, take care of patients who have diabetes. Uh, In fact, um, I don't know, maybe 50% of the patients that we see are patients who have diabetes. And then a smattering of other things, uh, hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, thyroid cancer, uh, that's the only cancer that we kind of manage, and um, low testosterone, osteoporosis, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So uh, just the gamut of things that can be related to hormones is what we do. Well, that sounds very interesting and very important. Um, What got you into the field of endocrinology? Excuse me. Actually, that's a very interesting conversation uh, that you (laughs) ask. Um, It was not the thing that I was going to do. In fact, I was um, actually in a totally different Uh, profession. I was actually in computer science and I had a degree in computer science and math and had gone to the University of Alabama in a graduate program um, in computer science and started working in the field, started teaching in computer science and decided that was not what I wanted to do. So I got into medical school and now I've gone through medical school. I'm in residency and it's time to finish and go out and get a job. And uh, we started thinking about doing a fellowship. Uh, At first, I wanted to do cardiology um, because I did a combined internal medicine and pediatric um, residency. And Mm -hmm. uh, that didn't quite seem to be the thing that I was going to do. And I ran into a very smart fella, uh, one of our attendings, Dr. Coracil. So shout out to him. And I did a rotation with him. And I was kind of struggling trying to decide where to go. And I went to his uh, clinic one day and we were talking about this thyroid uh, patient, patient who had thyroid hypothyroidism. And he started describing the thyroid to me and how the thyroid worked and how hormones worked. And all of a sudden I saw computers again. (laughs) So it it was my love for computers that really pushed me to uh, go into endocrinology because it almost is like a loop. You know, there's this controlling hormone that stimulates a gland 
the gland releases another hormone and it has this feedback loop. And so when I thought about that, it was basically a computer program in a loop and the, my eyes, the light bulb, if you will, went on. And I was like, okay, okay, here I am. And that's the story of endocrinology. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That's really interesting how first you tried the computer science and how that really led you onto ultimately endocrinology. <laughs> um, so uh, how um, you mentioned diabetes and I know that the area that you practice in, the geographical area, there is a lot of diabetes that, um, that I'm sure that you deal with. Um, do you wanna speak more about that? And what are sort of some you mentioned to me, uh, you, you mentioned some topics that you could talk about today and the mindset change and life coaching were some things. How do you tie that all in? If you talk to somebody who's maybe never heard of some of the health changes that might be required to, to become a healthier person. Right, right. Good question. Um, and, and first, you know, to, to kind of put it in perspective, there are currently 422 million people around the world that suffer with diabetes. That's uh, almost a half a billion people. <clears throat> in the United States alone, mm. there are 37 million that have diabetes and, and 88 million that are pre-diabetic. So we're looking here in our country, over 100,000 people, if you combine those together, that are either living with uh, diabetes or conditions that are predisposing them to diabetes. And we, we, we could throw in their metabolic syndrome and, and some other things. So, so when we look at that population of patients and we think about you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we are seeing that, that the numbers just continue to skyrocket. Um, and you know, everyone's kind of scratching their heads and they're like, there's a whole lot of conversation we can have about what, what may be causing some of those. If you think back a hundred years ago, maybe hundred, I guess that's a good time. The, the things that we died from, the things that caused mortality uh, were infectious. So we got an infection, we, we weren't able to treat it. And so someone died. So we've been mm -hmm. successful, which is great at being able to take care and treat those patients so that aside from COVID, which, you know, recently came on, on the scenes, mm -hmm. we have been very good about dealing with patients who have infectious problems. Now we're starting to die from things that are caused lifestyle things, right? So hypertension, hyperlipidemia, obesity, diabetes. And so as we, we look into that space, the question is why, if we have all this technology, if we have all this knowledge, if we have all of this, all these drugs, why are we still having so many people that are progressing from metabolic syndrome to obesity to diabetes and then having the complications for diabetes, right? That doesn't make sense. And mm -hmm. everyone talks about this lifestyle um, and, and that's where the coaching and the mindset comes in. And there are really two questions, that, two conversations that we need to have. The first conversation is, showing and teaching people how to go about dealing with the lifestyle. And at the same time, we've got to talk to them, hey, we've got to treat whatever it is that's going on. 
because you know it seems sometimes like the two camps are arguing with each other and struggling and not trying not getting along uh, and yeah. we have what what i call the the treat now group and the eat right group and sometimes they don't seem to be having the the same conversation but they have the same goal the goal is to help people to live as long as possible and to be as healthy as possible so i don't know if that answers your question it's probably a long way of getting to the answer to your question it definitely gets us started i i realize it's a complex question with many parts uh so the treat now group and the eat right group when you say treat now are you talking about treating the symptoms only with medication, for example? Uh, is, that, is that what you mean by treat now? That, that's what I mean. Um, you know, treat the blood sugar, right? Eat whatever you mm -hmm. want, treat the blood sugar, but not really giving tools to talk about how do I, for example, we would love to think that everyone who's out there who's diabetic, all they have to do is make a decision to stop eating the wrong thing. And then their blood sugar mm -hmm. gets better. But it's a lot more complicated than that, right? It's the, the fact that they ate that cookie, you know, their blood sugar is already 200, for example. And they know that if they eat the cookie, they know that if they eat the chocolate, they know that if they eat the ice cream, the blood sugar is going to go higher, right? So that's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. So what makes a person do that? Well, they're not eating the cookie or the ice cream or the cake, simply to eat cookie, ice cream and cake, something else is going on. Maybe they had a bad day today and the cookie yeah. makes them feel better. Or maybe mm -hmm. they didn't sleep well, or they're in pain or they're in something else going on. And that is what they're using to treat it. It is a coping mechanism. So saying, hey, just stop eating it is not the right answer. And then say, hey, just treat it is not the right answer. It is mm -hmm. finding whatever the issue is. Now, if we fix that issue, if we deal with that issue, all of a sudden the desire for the cookie may not even be there. Right? Okay. So that, that's the mean. idea uh, between getting those two camps to like have a, <laughs> a serious conversation <laughs> with each other. Yeah, so it sounds like you try to incorporate both sides into into maybe your treatment plan for a patient. Is it pretty individualized or do you do you have a similar plan for for all of your uh, diabetes patients, for example? Well, here's the and thank you for that question. Um, as as a society, right? And I got to be mm -hmm. cautious as I answer this question. As a society, everyone wants to know that this particular thing is just for me, right? This was designed for yeah. me. It was built for me. This is mine. And I think there is a place for that. But there's also a place to say that there are some basic ideas that we have that we know that work. And so if we can get a group of people, right, to... Um, subscribe to those ideas. We can always build individualized components for it, but some of the fundamentals are the same. And um, that's where sometimes it, it gets a little, because everybody wants to be individualized. Oh, don't treat me like that person. Don't give me the same thing like that person. Well, guess uh -huh. what? 
if that works, <laughs> then that works. <laughs> and then we've got to come back and say, okay, well, now let's look at some of the individualized things that, um, that, that you may, um, that may work better for you, but the fundamentals are the same. So people that are pre-diabetes, is there, is there a path that you can set them on to where it reverses that? Or, or how do you deal with those patients? Ah, very good question. And so, as I mentioned, 88 million people, right, around mm -hmm. the country that are pre-diabetic. Um, and and it, it becomes a... It becomes a complex discussion when we try to ignore certain things. Um, and I'll give you an example, right? It's not uncommon for me to walk into a room, uh, a patient who's coming to see me, maybe for the first time. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're talking about maybe, they, maybe they're not even diabetic. Maybe they don't have diabetes, but they have thyroid disease or some other endocrine issue that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And as part of our global treatment for that patient, our holistic, if you will, treatment for that patient, we, we don't just look at their thyroid. We start to say, okay, now we've, we've got the thyroid okay. Now let's begin looking at some other aspects of your life. Okay. And mm -hmm. I do not start with the weight uh, conversation at that moment because there are so many other things that lead into weight, right? So there's sleep. There's managing, managing stress, anxiety, pain. Uh, there are relational issues. And so mm -hmm. if I go directly from, hey, your thyroid is good. Now, let me get you to lose weight. I've lost that person, right? Because there's already, this, there's already some subconscious thoughts that are going on. And they, they may already feel a kind of way, if you will, <laughs> about it. Yeah. And so I've got to say to them, hey, there's this, there's this thought, there's this plan that we can come up with that deals with more than just go home, eat better and exercise. Because that's what we've been telling people for years. And guess what? Yeah. It's not working. Right. And so we've got to come up with, with more, a, a better plan so that we can begin working with shepherding, uh, almost holding the hand of that person. Because it is a, a complex, it is a complex decision and a complex process. Uh, and it's not as simple as go home, eat better and exercise. I, I appreciate that you mentioned that those that giving that advice to everyone isn't working that that same advice that the eat right and exercise isn't working. Um, I think that um, so, so it sounds like you're, you're treating a lot of very specific, very complicated, very sensitive issues um, with, with a person. Do you, do you find that sometimes they, um, I know you can't really speak too specifically, but if maybe you need, somebody needs to go to therapy for something, would that be helpful or, um, how much do those deeper issues need to be worked on before exercise and all of those things kind of can, can really take hold? 
I, I love I love your question, Steffi. <laughs> that is a terrific one. Um, because I have I have referred people to counseling. I've referred people to AA. I've referred people to um, food addiction recovery. I've referred people to other substance abuse uh, or substance um, treatment programs. Once again, a lot of times, the food is a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the stress that's going on, right, is causing, and, and, and I, I keep saying food, but let me back up for a minute and, and suggest to everyone who's listening that it's not always a food issue, right? Stress causes elevated cortisol. Stress causes elevated um, adrenaline, and I'll just use that term. Uh, I won't get specific about what the components of them are, but but everything that is being produced in the stressful situation has the effect of causing increased weight, whether it is to get you to eat more, or to store more, or to retain fluid. All of those things are happening. So there are times when pe people are not necessarily eating a whole lot more, but they're still putting on weight. And here's, mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a very important example, right? If, if, a, if a woman gets pregnant, right, today, say her weight is, I don't know, 120, 120 pounds. If mm -hmm. she gets pregnant today without changing anything that she eats, in a couple of days, her weight goes up. That, that is all the function of a hormone. And we sometimes forget the, the, the power of hormones. And so that is one of the reasons why exercise and eat right doesn't work. Because it is not as simple as what goes in minus what exercise is what's left, right? So you put stuff in and all the hormonal changes that are going on in the body has an effect that that is not one plus one equal two anymore. <laughs> one plus one now equals yeah. four or five. So you you work a lot with trying to balance someone's hormones. It sounds like um, how do you how do you start to work on that with someone? Do you treat that with medication? You mentioned uh, I know that you use global or holistic treatment with other things. So how does how does that work with with hormone issues? Well, one of the, thank you for the question, uh, by the way, and, and one of the biggest hormones in the body that, that is causing obesity, that's causing weight gain is insulin, okay? Mm -hmm. So this idea of insulin resistance that we all talk about. So insulin is a, a hormone that causes um, things to, to build and to grow. Okay, so so we call it an anabolic hormone. So that when I'm treating a patient, say a patient comes in, their blood sugars are crazy out of control. And I give them insulin. The blood sugars get better, but that patient automatically puts on weight because that's what insulin does. Now, okay. take someone who doesn't have a diabetes, right? but their body mm -hmm. is producing an increased amount of insulin because of weight, because of other things. Um, and there's a whole list of those. They are predisposed because of the elevated insulin for weight gain. 
So the question then becomes, how do we help that patient, that person, that client begin to decrease the amount of insulin that they have? And there's, you know, there are books and there are probably some guys somewhere right now having an argument about how to do this. But the simplest thing on, on how to do that is decreasing the amount of work that your insulin has to do. So what does that mean? That means that your insulin comes out because of the, uh, one of the reasons it comes out is because of the amount of work that it has to do to keep your blood sugars normal. So if we're not putting in as much into the body that requires mm -hmm. the insulin, then that insulin automatically decreases, right? So things like fasting, intermittent fasting, right? And we won't get into all of that right now, but <laughs> intermittent fasting, uh, decreasing the carbs that you're having, right? The other thing mm -hmm. that goes on is because of the cortisol level that's high because of stress, because of lack of sleep, because of anxiety, because of depression, because of pain, the cortisol has an effect on the insulin. And so now not only are we dealing with the insulin problem, but we're dealing with the cortisol problem, which is affecting the insulin, making it not as effective. And so we go into this spiral. Okay. Um, and, and so being able to say to someone, okay, let's come up with a plan, right? The biggest one is intermittent fasting and, and you guys can research that, um, mm -hmm. that, that will lower insulin levels. And that is a big place where we can break the cycle, begin, begin breaking the cycle. It's not the whole of it. There's more to be done, but that's one space where we can do. And that has nothing to do with medication, by the way, notice, right? So it's not uh -huh. we're giving a medication. It's mm -hmm. we're changing a lifestyle issue. And if we that's can do that, we begin working. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you're, you're <laughs> good. Uh, yeah. I heard something. Um, Maybe it was incorrect. Uh, someone told me, oh, women shouldn't do intermittent fasting. Maybe that was overgeneralized advice. What would, what would be your response to that? I think intermittent fasting can work for anyone, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, um, there, there are certain populations that we uh, counsel a little differently. For instance, my type one diabetics, uh, we, have, yeah. we have a bigger conversation with them about fasting right? Because they have an insulin requirement. They need insulin. And sometimes we've got to put mm -hmm. carbs into them so that they can take the insulin. So we have a different conversation with them. But for most other people, there really isn't a reason why they shouldn't be able to, to intermittent fast. Okay. Okay. That's good clarification. Um, and as far as, um, like a mindset change, how do you begin to work on that? Because probably by the time you see someone, they're having some pretty serious health issues that have been manifesting for a while. Um, so how do you, how do you get, get um, behind all of that into the mindset? How do you introduce that? Oh, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, so the first idea is this, okay? And I want you guys to follow me because it's going to sound a little odd. So when I see someone in the office, okay, in, in terms of mindset change, right, there's, mm -hmm. there are some other places that we've got to do some other things. But in terms of mindset change, my conversation with them is to get them to understand that my goal is really not to control your blood sugar. 
Oh. Ah, I saw you. I saw you <laughs> move back there, right? So my goal yeah, is really not different. to control blood sugar. So my goal is how do I help you to live as long as possible and to be as healthy as possible? Right? So that is the goal. The blood sugar yeah. is just a means to get to that goal. It's kind of like uh, kind of like work, right? Everybody, well, everybody, people go to work and I'm sure mm -hmm. people love what they do. And, you know, there are people who are, yeah, sure, I go and I really love, I'm, I get geeked, I get pumped with what I do. But yeah. for most people, if you didn't get a check for what you did, you probably wouldn't go to the job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So the job is a means to an end. And if somebody came to you and said, hey, Stephanie, you know, I've been I've been watching you and I'm really excited about what you're doing in your life. And I want to be able to speak into and bless you in your life. And, uh, you know, we've I've got this two million dollars that I'm just going to gift to you. OK. Mm -hmm. I bet you your job would get a call that says, hey, guys, uh, thank you for all you do. I really appreciate you being with me and supporting me all these this time. But. I'm going to take a few days off. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I might do that. Yeah. <laughs> because the goal has been achieved. Mm -hmm. So right. the, the job was not the goal. The job was a means to the goal. And same thing with, with managing diabetes and managing weight and managing metabolic syndrome and all those things. The goal is to mm -hmm. convince the patient, the client, that it is not this thing right here that you see, the blood sugar, for example, that is the goal. It is that we want to be down here where you're, you've lived a long time, you've had a healthy life as long as possible. Yeah. And if I can begin thinking about that, then this process now becomes a little simpler. Going back to the job for a minute, right? There are times that people don't feel like going to work. There are yep. other things going on in their life, right? They don't feel good. They're, you know, they're tired, they're pain, you know, they've got a cold or whatever it is, but they get up, they get dressed and they go to work. Why do they go to work? To earn money. Because so they can pay the rent and drive they the car. Can pay the rent, right? <laughs> so, so the same thing with living a long time. If that's my goal, if I can buy into that goal, when I don't feel like, checking my blood sugar, when I don't feel like eating right, when I don't feel like exercising, I've got to understand, well, okay, just like I do my job, there is something bigger that I'm looking at. And so that's the first thing in the mindset change because our response to actions or things that are going on dictates our feelings about that thing. Our feelings dictate our behavior, our behavior dictate our actions. So if we can change the mindset then our actions, our results are better and along the lines of what we want to do. That's, that's excellent. Um, so how, how easy is it to convince someone that daily consistent habits that would lead to a longer lifespan is, is something worthwhile? Because if I think about that, of course, yes, I want to live a long time. Um, but it's not like money, right? Where we, you mentioned the job and you're paid on a regular basis. I think that if someone works on health goals, they'll receive dividends back. 
but it maybe won't be as evident as here's a check right for your for the work you did so so how do you how do you approach that very cautiously (laughs) (laughs) yeah right very cautiously (laughs) because if you're not careful if we're not careful in that conversation the conversation sounds just like exercise need better Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But but the 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 words and the thought process that we lead patients through, okay? Understanding that there are reasons why you do the things that you do. So we can't just say, okay, here is a exercise plan, here is a meal plan, here is a I don't know, sleeping plan, go home and implement that. Okay, so there's this thing called uh, decision fatigue, decision fatigue, and decision fatigue says this. After we've made a certain number of decisions, Mm -hmm. our brains no longer want to make any more decisions. Okay, so let's assume, Stephanie, what's your favorite kind of cookie, by the way? I'm going to pick chocolate. Yeah, chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookie. Okay, let's assume that you mm-hmm. said, well, I'm not going to eat any more chocolate chip cookies because I'm going to I'm going to eat better, I'm going to be healthy. That's the one thing that I know that I struggle with, so no more chocolate chip cookies, okay? And you've mm-hmm. made you've determined that in your mind that hey, this is not what I'm going to do. Yeah. If you're walking out of your house in the morning, getting into your car, and I'm standing at your door with freshly baked chocolate chip cookies, I mean, and you can smell them, right? You can almost (laughs) taste them. Yeah. That morning you walk out of the house and you don't eat any cookie. You don't take it. You said, no, thank you, Dr. Wood. I'm good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you go to work and first of all, there's traffic. Okay. And you're like, man, I'm going to be late. And you get to work. And as soon as you work, walk in, your boss says, hey, that report or that project or that whatever, I need it like right now. You're like, oh, I'm not even done. He's like, yeah, but I've got to I've got to have it. And by the way, uh, your coworker who has been working with you on this project is not going to be in today and you need to do a presentation this afternoon. OK. Yeah. And so you go through the day and that's your day, like one thing after another. OK. Uh, and say you're the boss and people say, hey. Um, Mrs. Jones is not happy. What do you want me to do about her? You say, okay, do this. And this other person needs your advice. And this other person needs your advice. And then on the way home, right? You're like, man, this is, oh, tonight I got to go home. And that's right. I forgot I was supposed to stop off at the grocery store. So anyway, so you get to the house. If I'm standing at the door with those same cookies, guess what? You're going to eat it way easier to take on. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the question, the question that that everyone struggles with is, is it is it that Stephanie doesn't have enough willpower? And the answer is no, because you had the you had the willpower this morning. Yeah, you made the decision last night, you made the decision about it. So what happened? It wasn't that the the willpower is gone. It's that your brain says, I don't want to make any more decisions. I've, I've been dealing with stuff all day. So the decision of eating or not eating, your brain is going to default to the simplest decision and is going to be eating. That has okay. nothing to do with willpower. And it has everything to do with how you manage your stress that day. So one of the things that we teach people is how to manage stress. 
Because if we can do that, then the cookie in the end of the day is not as tempting as it was if you didn't manage your stress. So I'd love to hear uh, if you have any tips to share about stress <laughs> management, because it's a very hot topic and people are always saying do this and do this, but um, I really struggle. I think a lot of people struggle with truly managing stress. It seems like life is always getting in the way of uh, making lasting changes to my stress level. So um, what do you, what do you tell people for that? Well, um, thank you for that question. Um, so I want you to do, do something for me. Okay. Let's do a little okay. exercise together. And I want you to think of something right now in your life. And if you guys are listening, I want you to think of something right now that's causing you stress. Okay. And, and, and I want you to just pick something real. Don't pick, you know, don't pretend. I want you to pick something that's really causing stress right now. And I want you to think about how the stress makes you feel. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Stephanie, you don't have to tell me what it is, but how does it make you feel? Give me some words. Hmm. It makes me feel really heavy and just my chest is really tight and like I can't move forward. It makes me feel stuck. Makes you feel stuck. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and aside from your chest, where else in your body do you feel it? My shoulders, my neck. Mm -hmm. um, those are the main places. Yeah. Okay. And, and how long has this stress been there? A couple of months. A couple of months. Okay. Mm -hmm. so it's, it a, it's a health issue of a family member that their health has been getting worse and it's really it's outside of my control and so it's really um yeah it's stressful i worry about them right right and if you were able to magically hit a magic wand throw some pixie dust have all the knowledge in the world and you could fix this family member right whatever is going on how would that make you feel? I would feel great about that. I would love that. D describe <laughs> that for me. Mm, it would be a huge relief. Mm -hmm. I just, even talking about the possibility of that, even though I know it's not possible, I mm -hmm. feel better. You feel better about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to think of a place or a thing that you enjoy doing. Okay. Okay, and I want you to go there and I want you to feel what it's like being there. If it's a place, I want you yeah, I'm to- I'm thinking about the beach. <laughs> I want you to smell the sounds. <laughs> I want you to feel the, the breeze. I want you to hear the ocean, right? The waves. Mm -hmm. right? That's my wave sound. <laughs> and I while like you're it. there <laughs> and while you're there i want you to think about seeing that family member there mm -hmm. and whatever the health issue that's going on has been resolved yeah how do you feel uh i think i feel a little bit emotional about it because it seems like uh 
I know, I know it's not real. So I feel sad about it. You feel sad about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, before you went there, you can open your eyes. Before you okay. went there, you felt a little lighter. Yeah. Felt a little lighter. Mm -hmm. Now, here's an interesting thing. Nothing changed. Mm -mm. But you felt lighter. I really did. Why? I, d I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because the mind, the brain, does what we tell it. It looks for evidence to what we tell it. So when I said to you, hey, imagine if you could, a magic wand, the pixie dust, right? And you could, the health issue had gone. Your brain starts, starts to look, okay, how do we do that? Yeah. Right. Now, in that moment, in that moment, the stress level began going down. Mm -hmm. And the goal for people is to be able to have serial moments through their day where that happens. Now notice the, the, the situation has not gone away. Mm -hmm. Your response, your behavior began going away. And that's how we begin teaching people how to manage their day. It's amazing what the mind and the body can do. Yeah. Does the does the imagining the place does that typically make people feel better? Because I felt okay at first, but I don't think it was as much of a relief. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 imagine imagining the place, right? Probably what we did was we brought the person to the place. And that mm -hmm. may not have been the best thing for you. Yeah, it just made me sad, honestly, because it yeah. seemed like I was like, I can't trick my brain that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's how we begin working with people to do and to go through their day. Right. Just changing again, our response to the stressful changing events. Changing the response to the stress. Okay. Well, that's that's very helpful thank you i will definitely be trying to practice that more mm -hmm. um yeah i think i think it would help me to feel better mm -hmm. um is there anything else that you'd like to share with us um i know uh something else that can help with with stress levels to go down is to take more time for ourselves so is that how do you how do you incorporate that into your own life? Um, good question. Um, and, and, and so, so a couple of thoughts first. There are 1,440 day, 40 minutes in each day, 1,440. Mm -hmm. And aside from sleeping, most of those give, most of us give most of that away to someone else, whether it's the job, a family member, um, you come home, you've got kids, you've got a husband, you got to clean the house, um, you know, you got a meeting, all of those things. So, mm -hmm. so it is, it is a big, it is a big deal. And I mentioned 
um, sleep. So one of the questions I ask people sometimes is if I can give you something that would decrease your stress level, that would make you more focused at work, that would decrease your anxiety, help you lose weight, help you manage your blood sugar, help you have a better overall self, self of, uh, sense of self-being, well-being, would you take it? And your answer to that would be what? <laughs> yes. Of course. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> you know what that thing is? Is it sleep? I know you it, mentioned that at the beginning. <laughs> it's sleep. It's amazing in its ability to help with all the things that go on in our lives. And it's underrated. You'd be surprised at how yeah. creative and how functional you can be, even if nothing else changes in your life, if we're getting enough sleep. And we recommend at least seven hours. Most of us don't get seven hours, right? Because, oh my God, there's that thing I got to do. I got to get that report out. I've got to get this out. That report would probably be more creative and more insightful <laughs> if you slept. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that's so one true. of the things for me personally, I have, I do a lot of journaling uh, and on my phone, I have a journal that my wife created uh, for, uh, she's a, a life coach, a, a weight management coach, and she created a journal for her clients. And that's what I use. And there are several components to it. There is a um, journal at night that I sit down and I go through and say, okay, how did the day go? What am I planning to do tomorrow? What thoughts are still in my head? Right? So that's my preparing yeah. for success. And then in the morning, I've got a plan for success. Okay, so everything goes on like, you know, for you, I had my, my appointment for you today. The guys just came because we're having some issues with our air conditioning. So they were here. Um, mm -hmm. so, so all of that is, is worked into my day. But in my day, there are gaps, right, where there's nothing scheduled but me. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's now, really good. Now, I know for a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I'm working 12 hours and 13 hours. Five minutes, five minutes to do what we did just a moment ago, where we're still in the situation, but we take ourselves somewhere else. That's the beginning of it. And then okay. in my journals, I continue to do that before I leave work. I've got a, what's called a brain dump journal. So I sit in my car for a couple of minutes and I just put everything out of my, just, Hey, it says, okay, what, what decisions did you make today? Who's still on your mind? What, did you have any successes today? Uh, what other things um, are going around your, your thoughts that need to come out of your thoughts? And they're just basically five or six questions. And I sit there, I answer those questions. And for me, if I can do that, then going into the evening, much simpler for me, I can tell, and probably my wife and my son can tell when I didn't stop for those three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I come home from, from just anything, I have to decompress. Mm -hmm. And I know that my husband can tell if I had a stressful time or something. And sometimes I feel bad, like, I'm offering him the worst version of myself. 
So I think that that journaling practice sounds really effective for a, a way to the sort of process because I I don't really um, I have to kind of talk things out to think through them a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, so maybe that would work for me or maybe an audio journal. I don't know. Yeah. And whatever, whatever works, all right, works for you, right? So find something and, and try to be, don't, don't make it a huge project, right? So don't, don't try to, when you're journaling, you know, put your entire life story, right? Okay. Sit, sit down yeah. and, okay, what's on my mind right now? Just write that down and come up with some questions that are the format for your journal, right? Maybe four or five questions that mm-hmm. prompt you to put certain things down. And when you've done that, you're done with the journaling. But sometimes because we try to be very philosophical and we try to write a book and we try to put, you know, all these really um, high thinking thoughts, right, on, in the, on the page, right? Because we think a journal has to be like one day it's going to be published and people have to really <laughs> be able to, <laughs> right? If, if, yeah. that, if, if you approach it that way, it is this, it's another task and our, we don't want any more tasks, no. right? So make it as simple as possible to just be able to get it out of your mind. And if you can do that, you'll, you'll, you'll do be able to do it more consistently than if, if it becomes a chore. Okay. Okay. Those are some good tips for journaling. Um, so I know that you have your own podcast. What got you started on that? And what kind of things do you talk about on there? I can put the um, information for that in the description. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that has been an amazing, um, an amazing process. What really got me started with um, our YouTube channel and all the things that you may see on, on social media was the desire uh, to educate patients. So our, if you come to our office, you look on our display, it'll say our practice exists to evaluate, treat, and educate patients with endocrine disorders. We desire to positively impact the health and quality of life of our customers. Our practice will be the premier endocrinology practice in North Alabama for results and customer satisfaction. So anyway, there's this, there's this thing that we go through. And mm-hmm. a big part of that was the education. You know, we're called the Diabetes and Endocrine Wellness Center. And the things that we have been doing globally, right, in the community are not working. And I think education is a huge part of that. If you come on our show, if you look at all the things we say, I say, hey, we're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to avoid complications, take charge of your health and your life, and go to the next level. That's what we want to do. And that's where uh, all that started. And I've just had a ball. Um, People have responded well to it. And uh, as you can tell, I, I, I like to talk anyway. So it's a great medium for me to be able to share with people some of the things I've learned over the years. And there, there are other aspects that I haven't put out yet. For instance, I'm a recovering food, food addict. Um, uh, and, and if you see pictures of me before, you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. So, so that was something that, that we said, okay, we need to be, be able to share that with people. And it, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing being the endocrinologist who's the one who struggles with weight. So that's another story so that people understand yeah. that it's not just, I mean, this is just not you. I mean, there, it's, a, it's an issue across the board, 
So, so it's not that, oh, it's just me doing it. There, there's, I'm, I'm there. And so this is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. And so I wanted to be able to begin sharing some of that information with, uh, with our clients, with our patients, and with the community as a whole. Thank you so much for sharing that. And my husband and I really enjoy listening to your podcast. It's very interesting. And you sprinkle a lot of um, this, things about life and just ways to think about things into all of the, I mean, you're educating at each, at each moment, but it's not just all, it's not, it's not a boring lecture is what I'm trying to say. It's not, <laughs> well, it's not that kind of format. So I always learn something when I listen. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do that every Monday uh, at 7 PM central. Um, people can uh, go there. It's Dwayne Wood MD, Dwayne Wood MD uh, on the YouTube uh, channel. And the same thing for all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you can just do Dwayne Wood MD and, and I'll come up. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much. And um, is there anything else you wanted to close with? Well, guys, I mean, just 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 thank you for having me. Uh, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you for having this conversation. I, I, I think as we, as we all move into the rest of this year, into the new year, the big thing that I want to get everybody to begin thinking is that you want to tomorrow and the next day be better than you were today, okay? And the first place that that begins is in the mind. And if you can do that, then, I mean, everything is opened up to you. Yeah, love that. Well, thank you again so much. I so enjoyed having you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right.